This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Bloom Podcast. I'm Brett Bloom. And today on the program, I'm joined by a Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champ, current head coach, the Colorado Buffaloes. We were teammates back in the day. I'm really looking forward to catching up uh, with this next guest. One of the greatest athletes of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Deion Sanders, Prime. Thanks for coming on the Boom Podcast. Hey man, thank you for having me. I miss you. You look good. You're still looking the same. I haven't seen you in quite <laughs> some time. But you've always been uh, not only a good dude, man, a great teammate and a good person, man. So I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate that. A uh, lot of fun. We'll, we'll, we got a lot to get to, but a lot of fun watching this year and all the excitement you brought to Boulder. When you close your eyes now, mm-hmm. you're an NFL Hall of Famer. You played nine years in the big leagues. You're TV host, you're analyst. Now you're a head football coach. When when Dion closes his eyes, what do you picture yourself as? Uh, one of the greatest fathers to, to have ever lived. I, I pride myself on fatherhood. I pride myself on having relationships, true relationships with my kids. And I'm living the dream, man. I get to, I've coached my kids their whole entire life. Um, Shiloh, the safety here, I've coached him all but two years of his life when he went to South Carolina. Shador, I've been his coach every day he's ever taken a snap. Uh, my daughter here is playing b- basketball now for the for the school. Uh, my son is doing a videography here. My other daughter lives in uh, Atlanta, but she's at every game. So it's truly a family affair. My sisters, my secretary, and my mother's. Oftentimes, she's in my office watching the soap operas. So I, I love it, man. I, I enjoyed life tremendously. And, and I don't know if if you're like me, but when we're playing, when when we're in our when our not to use the term, but when we're in our prime, you know, we got a lot of things to worry about. We got to worry about game day, and we got to worry about winning games. Right. The family's there. But I found after I retired and actually a little bit of time of growing up once I retired, I'm with you on the family thing and how important it is to be a dad first. Everything else is great. Yeah, we push him to the brink. And I got a, I got a son in the minor leagues right now. Wow. And, and I'm watching that. Man, it's tough. You know, I, I could imagine. I want to get into it with you. You're coaching your kids. You know, I was coached by my dad. You played for my dad for a minute. Yeah. Uh, played with my brother, Aaron. Yeah. You know, I watch him, but man, when I watch my son, it's like, I want to come out of the stands, but this 54 year old body just can't create that, that, that bat speed anymore for him. But I just want to say, son, you got to do it. This. But then I take a step back and go, he's not me. That's he's right. not me. He's got to learn really? his own way. Uh, you're doing it now at, at a big time level. You're at division one. You're coaching two kids. You're, you're, you're 
one of your sons is Shadur, the quarterback, and Shiloh uh, is on the team as well. You talked about your your son Dion Jr. doing all the PR work and and following you around doing the social media. That's got to be cool. But it's it's good to hear you talk about that. And I've had other college coaches on, and they talk about yeah, it's important to win. It's important to kick butt every week. We're not here to lose. That's right. But at the same time, you're developing young men to prepare them for real life coming every up. Every day. Every day. I mean, it, it's not – this isn't work. It hadn't been one uh, instance where I've been upset with coming in or I dreaded the journey to, to drive in. It's not work. It's, it's like I'm driving into my calling, my purpose. And I love these young men. And yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, was our first team meeting. And just seeing the new faces, the the body types, the structure, the the hunger and the thirst for some of the new young men, it was unbelievable. Because you go, you know, like a big league team, you add this and you subtract this and you add this. And we've added so many things that we truly needed. And I can't wait to see it play out, to see the off-season strength and conditioning, to get to know the kids. And one thing that I'm emphasizing with my coaching staff is we got to be more relational, more intentional about developing relationships with these young men. So we truly know them and know their needs, desires and what buttons to push and how they function and how they they understand life and and who they truly are with the helmet off. When did you know that the next chapter in your life was going to be coaching? I know you've coached your kids for a long time now, and it's been a journey to get to Colorado. Funny that you just say I'm coaching my kids and let go walk in my office. Been down, baby. This is my daughter. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? Where yeah. you guys rank now? Number three. They're ranked number three in the country, Colorado basketball. So, uh, yeah. So I, I'm loving it. We was just talking about me fathering and all that. And I just want to choke her right now, but I'm not going to do that on, on air. We'll do it later. Now, okay. Now, it is that- a- <laughs> Any questions, Brent? How, what's it like? What's it like having pops prime time? I played with them. Now this is long before you were around, but what's it like having having pops prime time? Is is he easy? Is he hard on you? Um, both. Does he give you good advice? I know he gives you good yes, advice, but I got to ask you yes, that. You don't listen all the time, but I give her good advice. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll see you later. I love, I love, I ask my kids that. They're like, oh, dad, dad's a clown. Dad, dad yeah, they, yeah. prime. And they tell my kids think, you know, I don't know. I try to keep up with, with the kids today. I got a bunch of them in college and, and some are out of the house. They're just married off my daughter, but they just think, you know, it's as cool as I think I am. I, I get humble pretty quick, but when yeah. the kids are around, like he's yeah. just dad and he's kind of a dork. Well, my other, my other two sons, all three of them, matter of fact, they're in uh, Paris. Is it Paris? They're in Paris right now, walking in the Louis Vuitton fashion show. Really, Pharrell, uh, the designer and, and, and artist, um, asked them to be in that show. I said, "Guys, this is you can't miss something like this. This is the Louis Vuitton fashion show. Like you got to go." So they uh, they're walking in that today, which is going to be a highlight. I'm pretty sure they're like they don't understand the magnitude of how big that is to walk in a fashion show of that magnitude. It's very cool. Um, when did you decide that the next chapter, and like I said, you co- you've you been coaching your kids for a while now at a young age. Mm-hmm. I coached my kids at a young age. We did that travel ball thing. Oh, it yeah. was amazing. What I, You know, me and Trevor Hoffman, right when we retired, we oh, took our God. kids and awesome. we had this we had this travel ball and I coached third, he coached first, and we thought we were going to have a super team. 
And after a while, I remember Trevor come up to me, go, Booney, are we doing something wrong? We, we, we lay out this plan for them. Everything's free. And you know how travel ball is today right? for these kids. They're, they're charging them Please. an arm and a leg. Yes. We got everything free. We got Trevor. We got a Hall of Famer over in the first base coach. And some of the parents, if their kid yeah. wasn't hitting third, fourth, yeah. playing yeah. short and pitching at the same time, they'd go to another program. And we started to look at each other like, are we doing something wrong? No, you're too honest. You're too genuine. So parenting is unbelievable. Now it's bleeding into uh, college football because of the NILs and, and all of this. Parents are becoming the agents and they want to do the deals. And sometimes they're giving them um, the right wisdom. And sometimes they're giving those young men the wrong wisdom on what to do with their lives. And what parents don't understand, if it don't work out, the kid is going to look at you and blame you for the rest of your life. That's what yeah. they're going to do. And, and Especially at the younger ages, too. You know, I'm kind of like, listen, this is supposed to be fun. Everybody's not going to be a big leaguer. Everybody ain't going to the NFL, but every kid can have a good childhood experience. They, they don't and when these when these kids are 12 and 13, it's all about and, – and I was a tough coach. I'm like, listen, we're not here to lose. We're, we're here to kick the crap out of these people. That's right. But sometimes you learn lessons by losing as well. And let's go have a Slurpee and, and go chase girls like you, you're right. supposed to do when you're a little kid. No, but they put too much sport. pressure. They play one sport these days. They're not playing multiple yeah. sports. They, they all the marbles are stacked into this one thing, and they live it, eat it, drink it all day, 24 hours a day, and they really don't have a life. And uh, then when it don't work out, even at a young age, they start venturing into drugs and alcohol. They start doing crazy things. Yeah. But it's not indicative to who they are, but that's how they medicate the pain. And I, and I look at your situation. I mean, you know, you and Bo, and we had we had uh, Brian Jordan on the program. Yeah. Obviously, you did it at to play a sport. You know, we're watching Otani right now. I, I never thought I'd see that in the baseball yeah, side, but cool. we're seeing it. What you and Bo and Brian did, it's unheard of. I, I try to tell people, I said, do you realize how hard it is to play a sport at the highest level? And then be doing two is ridiculous. But I think at a young age, you're right, you touched on it. You said these kids are playing one sport. I think me, when I was a kid playing peewee football, first yeah. of all, got me away, didn't burn me out on baseball, but it taught me lessons on the football field that I could bring yeah. to the baseball field and That's vice right. versa. And these kids aren't doing it today. You're right. They're trying to be specialists, and usually in the end – the parent, you know, they look at the parents and kind of go, man, my childhood wasn't that fun because there was so much pressure and I was never good enough to begin with. Right. right but right. you took my childhood. Away. I don't know. I don't know. I got I had a whole separate show for that. But <laughs> I want to talk about your kids at a division one level because we're getting serious now when we get to the power five. Yeah. I played. My dad was a bench coach in 1994. We had a great relationship. Once we got to the ballpark, it was not father-son. It was coach-player. Right. We had a great relationship. I was able to work with my dad throughout my career. And we, we didn't have that father-son button heads. Now, Aaron, on the other hand, it was different. Aaron played under him as a manager. And they really couldn't get past that father-son. And they butted heads quite a bit. At a high level, when you're coaching your kids, you're looking out for your kids, with Shiloh and Shadur on the field, have you found it to be easy? Are they different in different ways? Do you have to go well, at them a different way to get the same yeah. result? Oh, yeah. They're totally different. Two, two totally different kids. And they have a little bit of me, um, a little bit of that, and, and one of them, a little bit of this, and, and one of them, this is the story that was true. Um, we was going in overtime, 
last year. I forget the team. And, you know, you go for the coin toss, and Shador is one of the leaders. And Shiloh walked over to me. He said, uh, are we going to get the ball first? Do you want us to get the ball first? Or, or do you going to put us out of the defense? I said, the defense have been playing like garbage all game long. Your brother's going to get the ball first. He's going to go down and score, and we're going to put a extreme pressure on the opposing team, and we're going to win. That's how it's going to go down. But you guys have been horrible all game long, so stop it. <laughs> and that was true. And that was the first yeah. time you really use like your brother, you know, usually because they know I'm not, I'm, I'm coach. I'm not dad during the games, but that right. really happened. You know, Shador went out there, drove us down. We scored and we stopped the other team from scoring. I think it was Colorado state stopped the other team from scoring and ended up winning the game. Yeah. It, you know, when we were playing in, in baseball and obviously you can relate to this, Sometimes it's really important for that leadoff man to get on, steal second, move yeah. him over, oh, yeah. and hit a sacrifice fly, and it's one nothing. And yeah. people don't understand. You know, nowadays you're watching Major League Baseball. There's no button. There's not hitting the ball the other Everybody's way. What people, don't, what people don't understand is the mental side of that. Mm -hmm. When you do that consistently, your opponent goes, damn. It's right. one to nothing before the national anthem's over. That's and right. that's a psychological win. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So my, my kids, uh, we, we know how to cut it off because I've, I've coached them their whole lives, but uh, they know on the field, I'm coach. I'm not dad. So don't come at me like that. But I'm, I'm harder on them, as you know, than, than the rest of the team, most definitely. I, held them, I hold them accountable, uh, truly. Um, no matter what the situation is, I get on them just as much as I get on the other kids or, or even more because I have a greater expectation because I know them. Right. Um, Jackson State. Let's go back to there. You raised the profile uh, at Jackson State, but when you took the job in Colorado, it was it was kind of at another level. Rick George, the athletic director. Yeah, love uh, what what's that call like when he called you and and you started discussing coming to Boulder? Well, it was uh pretty much several calls, and you you kind of don't want to deal with it because you're trying to win a championship there, at Jackson, at the conclusion of the season. But you know you got to deal with it in some sort. Thank God I got a great team that can compartmentalize things for me as well as I. But those calls start coming in and then the interviews, you know, they want to start making the interviews. And that's tough because you're doing the interviews for this and then you're trying to put a staff together for that because this staff may not be prepared to be that staff. And it's a lot of going and coming and thinking and positioning. But you know it's time for you to depart. But where you depart, that's the next step. But uh, out of all the ADs and uh, persons that came at us, Rick George was 100. He was honest. Um, he laid out his plan, and he said, you're the guy that fits where we want to go. Not this guy, not this guy. I have to talk to others, but you're the guy. And uh, we prayed about it, thought about it. And one day I was eating lunch with one of my linebacker coach now that had been coaching with me for the last 20 years, youth football all the way up. I said, I got it. We're coming. We're going to Colorado. God just said, Colorado, let's go. So I called Rick and I said, we're coming. That's how the whole slogan started with we coming. And uh, he was excited. First of all, when he received the call, he thought I was calling to let turn him down. To say, no, no, <laughs> I'm not going. Being hospitable. But no, this was the place. I love it. I love the fan base. I love uh, everything, uh, the direction that we're headed, 
Jackson was a tremendous uh, opportunity for me and as well as the staff, as well as the kids that we brought over to build something that we could possibly could sustain. And that's what we're doing right now, man. We're consistently building up, but we're not taking the time to say, oh, we're not going to win this year. We're not, we're not like that. We want to win right now. That's why we're in the portal. That's why we, the scout department is at work right now calling kids and trying to make it happen. That's why we're adamant about going to the next level immediately. Did you know anything about Boulder before you went there? I know it's cold. Not one bit. Now, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm from the <laughs> South, man. You know, I grew up in Florida, <laughs> reside in Texas, so no, not whatsoever. Only only thing I can remember about Colorado, honestly, is playing the Broncos and playing the Rockies. You know, that's it. I have no other references. I've never been other than that. In coaches, you don't get recruiting trips. You don't get to visit and check it out and see how much you like it. You don't get the parades and if they could woo you to come. You don't get none of that. So you're making a decision based on faith. Like you got to believe this is the place because you don't get to see everything before you get here. And what you guys did uh, from a college football perspective was huge. I mean, they're coming off a of one and eleven. They probably since Gary Barnett really hadn't had any success in Colorado and all of a sudden, you know, you got Fox, you got college game day there. They're picking up your spring games. Yeah. Colorado has been a team that in the power five in the PAC 12 was that night game after dark. It was the last thing on the map. All of a sudden now you guys are prime time. That's right. And I love it. I mean, rocks on, rocks on the sidelines. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, you, you got to understand. Someone told me, hey, man, your sideline is like the BET Awards and American Music Awards. I like it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, the, the, the thing about it is that's been your whole life. And you know what? This True. brings me back. When I think of, when I think of Dion and, and our time that we played together in Cincinnati, I flash back and I, and I have certain things that I remember. You know, Marge was running the show right. and she would fly us. For those of you listening to the Boom podcast, when Dion and myself were played for the uh, for the Cincinnati Reds, Marge shot. She she was a little frugal when it came to flying us. Right. So everybody, you know, at, at all the big time sports, we all we charter everywhere we go. In Cincinnati, though, once a year, flying from Cincinnati to L.A. to play the Dodgers, she'd put us in coach and we'd have to pl fly with everybody else. And I remember, and this is at your height. I mean, when it's, you know, Dion's flying, he's going from a football game to baseball and we're sitting in the, in the terminal and we're looking at each other. Like, are we really flying commercial <laughs> to play the Dodgers? And I thought this isn't fair for the people on the plane with us. It wasn't fair for us. But it wasn't fair for the people on the playlist. Cause in baseball, we play every day. And these guys, I, I, you know, it, it's like that's a time that the players let their hair down and to be flying with everybody else. It really wasn't fair for them. But at the same time, it wasn't fair for us either. Right. But I, but that's what I remember about our time is I remember we we're sitting there. We're flying. We're flying um, coach to to yeah. L.A. I got a Marge shot story, which uh, she was phenomenal. Everybody started trying to bring the racism, but I never saw that side of her. And she was number gracious. I remember we were spring training in Plant City. And yep. remember they had the little lake in like the middle of the whole compound there. It was a little lake, you know, it was waters in it and all that. And it was gator, you know, everywhere in Florida, it's a gator and a little lake. It's a gator there. And, you know, March used to have the dog Shotzi everywhere. Yeah. 
And I can remember the dog was sipping water and Marge was sitting right by the lake watching the dog sip water. And I could see the head of this gator and everybody could see the head of this gator just, you know, you could just kind of hear the jaws thing. And I'm looking around like, so y'all ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> like, can y'all say something to Marge and this dog to get them away from the edge of this lake because this gator is easing in on her? And uh, I remember start yelling and screaming. I was laughing and yelling and screaming because nobody was saying nothing, and this gator was just closing in on her. But you know, we got her out of there. We got the dog out of there because this gator was sitting right there, ready to attack this dog in that little lake. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember Shotzi putting it putting a Shotzi hair in my back pocket. And I remember Larkin. Larkin be booney. You better let her put that hair in your back pocket. You want that multi-year deal. Yeah, that dog, <laughs> that dog print was on all our checks too, by the way. That's right. That's right. Um, I talk about, you talk about the sidelines and how they became kind of like yeah. American Music Awards, you know, whatever you want to do, the Oscars. You're used to that. Your life's been pretty pretty high profile. That that's not a big deal for you. That's that's something new. How did the kids handle that type of of celebrity? It was you know when you're in the locker room and I'm getting ready to make my pregame speech or whatever, and they see the rock walking through. I remember one of the kids came to grab me because I get dressed inside the uh, equipment room, and they saw Anthony Anderson and Cedric the Entertainer. You know while I'm making my pregame speech, you got. Master P standing right there. Uh, Dr. J. Julius Irvin right there. You you have Lil, Lil Wayne right here. I mean, it was like, you know, these kids are like, oh, my God, this is real. I've only seen him on TV, but you got to understand most of these collegiate kids, they see success on social media, but they've never seen it personally. A person that's successful, that's doing it, that's making it and getting the opportunity to talk to them. So when T.O. drops by practice or any of these guys that, that I played with in the past come by practice and just want to sit in on practice and watch or some of these celebs, it's a blessing to them because they're like, man, this guy is successful in his own uh, area of expertise. Let me ask him questions. And, and these guys that come in, they allow them to just talk to them about life. And it helps those young men make it to the next level. Because we've had some of everybody and their mother. I mean, country music singers, everybody have come through. And that's, that's awesome. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business gold card. Coming to Colorado, we talked about uh, the lack of success in, in, in mm -hmm. recent times. Uh, what was your approach in changing the mindset in Boulder? You, you, to, to change the outcome, you got to change the, the income. You got to change what goes in in that. Then that changes what goes out. And you got to change the thought process and the mindset, not only the football team, but some other people in the building that had just a, a losing pedigree and a losing attitude that you don't like to see that. You don't like that around the kids. You don't like that thought process. So from the, 
the, the kitchen to the custodians to everyone, we had to not only just make change in, in attitudes, but some sometimes you had to make change in personnel so that truly believe that you you can win. You can do this. These kids can go pro. They can garnish degrees. And I think the biggest thing we accomplished last season was in the spring with all the comings and goings of the kids in the portal and out of the portal, we had the highest GPA ever accomplished by this institution from from the football team, the highest GPA ever. So that GPA ever, that was the best thing that that transpired with us because – we had those kids focusing on what was important because 90% of these young men are not going pro and I'm being generous right. with the 90. So we got to develop them and get, prepare them for life. And that's something we take a lot of pride in. Yeah, that's you're right. And I, and I love to hear that because, you know, you, you watch this big, this big show mm-hmm. uh, on Fox and man, it's a big game and it's division yeah. one, but the general public this doesn't go on forever for most of those kids. Like you said, 90% and that's being generous. Yeah. Real life's about to hit them. This is, this oh. can be an unbelievable. If you go in it with a level head, this can be an unbelievable experience. And there's going to be some kids that do make a living, uh, you know, past this mm-hmm. level, but it's very few. But if you can prepare them the way you prepare them, and like you said, that you, you take pride in, in their grade point average and, and mm-hmm. seeing that improving. Uh, those are the things I think at this level are are so important. Just m- molding these kids into good young men that are going to be productive members of society once they leave Boulder, Colorado. I I, I think that's awesome. I think that's a great right. message well, for anybody listening to this show. It's vital for them to understand these people that they look at on, on social media as well as television or listen to their music are human and they've made mistakes. I remember when uh, the rapper, the baby came in and he surprised them and he came into the meeting the night before the game and, and uh, they were able to have a Q and a with them. And he said, I've made a ton of mistakes and I own up to every last one of them. But if I hadn't made those mistakes, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm thankful for my past, but I'm more excited about my future. And I love that, that those young men got to see one of the hottest artists in the nation talk about his faults and how he overcame adversity. And uh, I love that aspect. And, and, and you've got such a unique, uh, because you do, you do in that program now, because of you have access to these, mm-hmm. these ultra successful people, not, and not just in the sports arena, in mm-hmm. all aspects, in, in all of entertainment. And that's pretty, man, I couldn't imagine these kids are getting invaluable advice from yeah. people that not too many people have access. And, oh. and I'd love to, you know, I want yeah. them to just, you know, if I was there, I'd be like, hey, appreciate what you got because everybody doesn't get this. So so suck up everything you can. Um, the thing I thought was awesome, too, you're very transparent on right. what goes goes on behind the scenes. Stuff that public usually doesn't get to see. Uh, you got a book, Coach Prime book, Elevate and Dominate. Right. 20 ways to win on and off the field it comes out March 12th. You mm-hmm. also got the Coach Prime documentary. It's going to be season two. Uh, it's on Prime Video. If you haven't, that's coming out. Uh, season one, I believe, is on Prime Video right now. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to follow you through the 2023 Colorado Buffalo season. Uh, talk about the transparency, why you took that tact, how important that is. Uh, just really letting letting the public in behind the scenes 
as much, you know, I'm sure you, you, you cut the cameras off at a certain point, but you're letting guys get in more than most uh, organizations do. We, we pretty much allow darn near everything, really, except for, you know, certain levels of profanity that some, some people may utter during the game and throughout the game. But I think it's important to be transparent. I think it's important to be genuine. We live in a, 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 a country, a society that's so fake that that real is not being accepted because the fakeness is so much tolerated and oftentimes appreciated that real is ostracized. So we show how it's going to be. So when a kid comes up to us on a recruiting visit, he pretty much knows pretty much all the characters that play a vital role in this university. I mean, because he's seen it repeatedly and the, the job that our social media team, as well as my son's team, um, Darius and Neil and a few others that they do that's putting our content out. And there's so many other social media persons that are putting our content out that we validate. It's unbelievable. They get to know us. So it's almost like using this as a recruiting tool, as well as using it as a developmental tool. We want to show them who we are. And if you don't like that, don't even come up here on the visit. Don't even take the trip because this is, we're being as transparent as we can. And this is who we are. Cause I don't sugarcoat none. I never have. So as a coach, I won't anyway. Now I, I'm careful at times in press conferences because I have to remember I'm a darn head coach. I can't say certain things that I really think. <laughs> you know? So right, something right, like right. myself and I stop and I say, Oh Lord, thank you for stopping me from saying what I really felt at that moment. <laughs> right. Right. You got to have a little tact. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> And I do, because sometimes I want to just let it rip. And I, Lord, thank you for stopping me. Yeah. Right. Because you, you're like, oh, well, I, I could have said it. Yeah. People out there would know, hey, that that's that's what people won't say. That is real. Yeah. But at the same time, now you got you got three weeks of having to answer this question. Yeah, and it's like it's taken truth. away from yeah. the big picture. If I tell the truth, it's different. Like if we play a game, <laughs> I'm going to give you an example. If we play a game. And Shador, our quarterback, I won't say my son, our quarterback, gets sacked nine times. And if I go into the press conference and say, you know, our offensive line played like garbage. You saw that. Everybody yeah. saw that. But I can't say that because it's the truth. You say I'm throwing the line under the bus. No, no, no. I'm just telling the truth because I told them that during the game. They know right. that. Everybody knows that. But don't tell me. I'm wrong for saying what you're saying, but that's or or right on, on the contrary. You could say Shador he, he threw some bad passes today. They'll accept that from you. Oh yeah. Because oh, oh look look he's he's criticizing his son too. Right. But if you go the other way and just say our offensive line had a horseshit day today, <laughs> excuse my French. Oh, he's just protecting his son. No, I get exactly where you're coming yeah, from. So it, you got to be you got to be careful. It's, yeah. it's crazy, but 99% of the time, I just let it rip. This is what's really interesting to me about your situation. And I and I touched on it briefly. When I talk to young players, uh, you know, as I get a little bit older, I get a little bit wiser, I like to think. Uh, because, for example, I get a young player, a minor league player, and we want to talk about footwork around second base, turning a double play. Well, when I first retired, I well, you just do it like this. Well, I, I forget that. Everybody doesn't do it the way I did it. So sure. maybe I've got to teach a more 
something for the masses that everybody can do. When I, you know, when I'm hitting and I'll, I'll talk to my son, you just do this. And he'll look at me and go, dad, I can't just do that. I, it, it takes me back and go, wait a minute. Okay. How do I explain this in more of a right. mass audience thing? Being, being primetime, being a hall of famer. Do you find yourself sometimes, is it easy or is it tough to get your message and teach to the masses because they can't do what Deion Sanders did. There's not too many people that can do that. So do you have do you have a tough time or do you have enough experience now where, no, I know how to go about this? Experience, you got to understand, uh, most people just, they're just learning me as Coach Prime. But I've been Coach Prime for probably 20 years now because when I retired, I started coaching youth. I started coaching uh, my oldest son. Then I started coaching. I had a whole darn youth program, football, baseball, basketball, track, um, cheer. We had every sport covered, locked, girls and boys. And it was phenomenal. So I learned way back then over a decade of consistently teaching. Then I went into high school. I coached junior high. Then I went to Jackson State Daddy here. So I've been coaching for a long time. They thought I just started because they just saw me nationally. When I was in the Hall of Fame in, I think, 2011, we took seven busloads of kids there. Because we had played football games in Memphis, in Louisville, and then we went to Canton, Ohio. So I was coaching for a long time, but I learned way back then, these kids are not you. You can't expect them to do what you're capable of doing. You got to make them the best them. You got to make them the best Brett that they could be. Make them the best Shiloh, the best Travis, you know, the best Dylan. You got to make those guys the best that they can be and not try to put you into it and you're living vicariously through them still, that won't work. So I can't expect my, my young men that play for me to be me, not whatsoever. Right. You said yourself right. a disaster and uh, hurt, pain, <laughs> a lot of pain. Big, big yeah. time pain. Yeah. Hey, just do it like Dion did it. Well, well, everybody can't just do it the way Dion did it. From a baseball perspective, let's, ta- let's take this. You know, I watch, I watch Aaron manage now. I talk to Aaron. He calls me kicks ideas off me. Sometimes he listens to me. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, but all my experience in the game at every level from college through, you know, my big league career, uh, I was touched by a lot of different managers mm-hmm. and a lot of great ones. Um, you know, some things you agree with, some things you don't, but I felt just strictly from, from major league baseball, there's very few times where after the game, we sat around and said, you know, Coach really screwed us today. That's why right. we lost. It didn't. It doesn't happen too much on the baseball diamond. Usually, the players win and lose games. I think that's probably the case in every sport. But in football, once that national anthem's over, how important are you when it comes to the wins and the losses? Um, I won't even give you percentages. I'll just say, different than baseball. Baseball is a a self sport like you have your own numbers your own everything um you go up to the bat with you versus that guy football is so much more of a team sport you know everybody could strike out every time they get up and one guy hit a home run and he's won the game you won the game football that that's not going to happen and it, it's like it would be like the coach telling you when to swing like Okay, I need you to swing at this next bit. You you don't listen to that because you're your own guy. You're seeing it. 
football, you're calling plays. You actually have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and you're seeing the game um, from another perspective because I don't call plays offensive defensively. But in the preparation, the game plan, I know what I want to see going into the game plan. So you're meeting with coordinators. You're making sure you see this, you see that. You're making sure, okay, we have this set just in case it is. Okay, if they start running down our throats, what are we going to do? So those questions go out on Thursday or Friday. This is what I want to see if they start running. Okay, if they start doing this, this is what I want to see. Uh, this is how we got to stop this guy. And it's so much more inclusiveness in in coaching football. That's why you have so many darn coaches. You got a coach for every position. Um, you got uh, GAs, graduate assistants, uh, NFL. You got not you got analysts for each side of the ball. It's so much going on. So you have a tremendous influence on how the game goes, but it's still up to the players. I've never been the type of guy to blame a coach for anything in life. I've never said that was his fault. No, because we were ultimately on the field and we had an opportunity to make a play. And that's one thing that I really, really harp on with these young men. You're going to have an opportunity within the confines of this game to make a play. What you do with it is on you. How you prepare to make that play is on you. Are you ready to make that play? That's on you. So football coaches, I think, have a greater impact than baseball managers or anything that translates on the baseball field. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, without ever being on the sidelines coaching a football football team, that's kind of what I thought all the time. It's, it's mm-hmm. just there's more to it. Even in the NBA, there's more to it at the end of the game. It's pretty important what play you draw up right. to, to, to determine the outcome of that game. I don't know if it's most important or biggest challenge for you. Calling the game, teaching the players, or managing the players' personalities? The first one was calling the game. The second one was what teaching them. Calling the game, teaching the players, you know, that during the week or, or managing each, you know, the individuals. And because, because you know, as well as I do, when you get to a high level, we don't just treat everybody the same. It's got to, I've got to, I've got to come at this player this way and this player this way to get the same result. Mm -hmm. I think teaching the players, teaching is, is everything because a lot of players, sometimes don't want to receive and they think they know it until they go out there and get beat. Then, then they're open for lessons. But um, when you build a relationship, there's a respect level there and that young man knows that you only want the best for him. So you're only going to tell him, right. And one thing that we're compiling around here, darn near every position, probably 60 is 65% of our positional coaches have been to the NFL coached or played in the NFL for a length of time. So you're getting a, a heck of a level of expertise from these guys that have already been to where you want to go. So you should listen because they, they're there. They're like navigational systems that have been to that destination. But really teaching these young men because it's tough because, you know, they got life and they got school and they got dreams and aspirations. There's a lot going on in their heads. So, that's why we, we go out there the first thing in the morning. I want I want the best of them. I, we call it the first fruit biblically. I want the first thing from them. I don't want to give them a chance to give the girlfriend, the school to tire them out or 
or smoking to, to smoke themselves out. I want the first thing. Give me mine first. Let's eat breakfast, go into meetings, let's prepare. And we're on the field by 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. So we're off the field probably by 10 30, 10 45 at the latest. Then they have another meeting, then they go to classes. Yeah. Balancing that. It's it's not an easy thing to do at that at that age. The, the elite good. kids can do it. It's, it's, it's so different now, man, because oh, most of the yeah. school is most of the school is online. Like, you know, they go to classes and and I'm like, you guys are missing the, the best part of college is to be on campus, is to walk around and feel the atmosphere and build relationships on campus with other students outside of football. That's the best part of it. But now you have so many kids, they're just online. I, they, I, I, don't, I don't even know if Shador has ever taken a class on campus in his college career. It, it, it's unbelievable how they're all. I mean, I'm sitting here right now. I'm getting a text from my son. He's in the other room asking me if he I can get him some Dayquil a little bit later because he's not feeling good. I'm like, I'm, first of all, I'm doing a show. Secondly, <laughs> like ten feet away, but you got to text me. You right. can't ask. Well, you, know, you, don't, you don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, it's they text it's me the same room. Yeah, they text you the same room. Yeah, now. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, NIL transfer portal. Wow. Good for the game. Good. Cons. Good for the game. Um, I, I love that the kids are getting compensated for their name, image, and likeness. But then you got to ask the question are they really getting compensated for their name, image, and likeness? We always hear about NIL, but we don't ever see NIL. We happen to have a couple young men really three young men on this team that you could see on commercials that you could see doing certain things and you could see NIL, but it's the difference between NIL and collectives. Collectives is when um, donors put together a bag of money and they figure out who to distribute it to. And they associate a task of showing up to this car dealership or doing that or doing this with that collective. That's where it went wrong. NIL, I don't mind. But assembling the bag, I got a problem with that. I want these kids to 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 get a cut of whatever the NCAA <laughs> is doing. I want that to happen. But I want to do it right where we have parameters and we have guidelines and we have rules that you must abide by. And it's it's open season right now. I understand, and some of our young men are benefiting, and I'm happy and thankful. But just give us some some better guidelines because right now it ain't no stopping. What's going on out there? They had nil when you were in college. How would that have gone? It would have been it have been something special. <laughs> yeah, been something special. But see, like it's everybody keep talking about nil. It would have been great for. For me, because I had a, a product in, in in Prime, but when you talk about some of these other kids that are getting this and getting that, I want them to get it, but that's not NIL. Don't call it that. Call it what it is. I've had some health challenges. I've watched you go through yeah. it. I think I saw. I think I saw a uh, clip the other day. You were running for the first time. Yeah, and yeah. in a long time. Uh, how is that? I know you've been, you're a pretty grounded person, but 
has that to a different level put life into perspective a little bit more for me the challenges that you've gone through yeah when you sit in the edge of the bed and your your life could be gone at the conclusion of the surgery that that's challenging that's that's the wake-up call that everyone needs in life sometimes not that i needed it but it was good and you start taking things more serious you start really appreciating others and appreciating the simplistic things of life a lot more to sit there and you you having nine surgeries within a month and you're so medicated you don't even know who's who in the room and you're just sitting around and you're thinking darn it i could never run the same I can never train the same. I can never prepare my body like I once did. Man, that this how am I going to deal with that? So that was uh, that was probably the toughest thing I've ever gone through. Amputation of a, a couple of my toes and the sides of my legs been cut out. I mean that that was the toughest time. And I've had up to date eleven surgeries now because I had clots in my thighs uh, last summer that they had to cut in my groins both sides and, and take clots out. So that's been the toughest thing that has ever happened to me in uh, in my life. A few more things before I let you go. Uh, recently, I, I think I read something where you called Nick Saban, Coach Saban, when he retired. He said, the GOAT's retiring from college football. What's going on? Um, I think I read that. Yeah. And then I, I've been watching recently because I know you're still probably in tune with watching the Dallas Cowboys. And I, yeah. I saw Emmett Smith come on today. He's commenting. I saw Michael Irvin going crazy. Yeah. So tackle those two, the Nick Saban and the best. What happened to your Cowboys? The greatest ever coach, I believe. I got to say, arguably, because I'm also so- associated with Bobby Bowden. Coach Bowden was unbelievable. Coach Saban, yes. What Coach Saban accomplished in college football, I don't think would ever be topped. It went because the game has changed so much. You won't be able to assemble a team like that that could stand that test of time, Um, unless you're you're backed by some of the oil well people uh, overseas. (laughs) If you have that backing, then you could buy all the best players in the country. It's the only way you can do that. Coach Saban is uh, just having a relationship with him working with the company Aflac and shooting commercials over the last couple of seasons has been phenomenal. His wisdom, his truth, his heart, his passion for football and what he meant to that university. We, we lost a giant. We lost a giant. And when you know you lose a giant, this is what happens when he walks away. Programs change. What do you mean by that, Coach Brian? Alabama program has changed. The gentleman from Washington that's replacing Coach Saban, now that program has changed at Washington. Now the gentleman that's replacing the coach from Washington, that's, for coach, that's replacing Coach Saban, now the program has changed from Arizona. So he is so powerful. He is so dynamic that he had the propensity to change three programs with just walking away that may never be the same. Alabama may never be the same. Washington may never be the same. And Arizona was just on the come up. They may never be the same. All because of one thing. By him saying, I'm done. I'm done. It's unbelievable. That's power, man. That's that's a coach. And then going to the Dallas Cowboys, I feel bad because I feel like Jerry Jones 
is the best owner to, to ever own a franchise. What he does for the players, what he puts into the, the fan base and how he injects life into every situation and, and gives that team and that city hope. Don't every year you feel like the Cowboys are supposed to win it because that's what Jerry Every, every year. Yeah, every that's year. That's how good Jerry is. So just having them uh, falter once again, that's tough. But I like to sit back with my popcorn and, and see how it plays out. Like, okay, now who's who's going to get fired? Who's going to move? Uh, what personnel on the field? Because I can't blame that on the coaches. The players did that. They always want to blame coaches, man. And, and I, See, I'm thinking from a player's perspective. Right. That's players. See, now when you're a coach, you start thinking, shoot, now I'll take that responsibility. As a coach, we take that responsibility, but as a player, no, man. Can't blame you, coach. You mentioned you you had your kids when you were young, high school, Jackson, now Boulder, NFL one day. Is that in your your future? That's not my cards. No? That would be tough for me to fathom – grown men making millions of dollars that don't want to play. You know how we felt about some guys yes. didn't yeah. want to play baseball. Like, you want to take the day off? Why? Why? That You get compensated to play baseball. Why you need a day off? You know, I, I can never, right. never get over that with teammates. Like, you got to be in there every day. All the time. And you was you was known as that gritty dude that just loved to play the game, man. And I – and I appreciated that about you. And we had, you know what, man? We had some personalities then that were unbelievable. You know, one of my dearest is, is Lenny Harris. You know, Lenny's my guy. Oh, I love, I just saw Lenny. Lenny is. Come to the games. Like, Lenny is my guy. Lenny is the ultimate baseball teammate. Like, if you had to define a teammate and a baseball player, Lenny Harris. Coop. Coop. Hey, you know, it, 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 what was great about Lenny is he was a utility player. He wasn't a star player. Right. You know, I've never seen a non-star player in a clubhouse have the clout that Lenny Harris had. Lenny he was Harris. a leader, and it's tough to do when you're not one of the main dudes in the middle of that lineup. It's tough to be a leader in that clubhouse. Lenny broke the mold, Lenny, and he was. Lenny was brutally honest with everybody. And, with the, that, and he didn't care how big your star he don't was. Care how big your star was, he was gonna tell you. He was gonna say this and say that. It was so funny, man. That I remember, I rolled my ankle in Pittsburgh one day, bad too, all because of Lenny. I was on second. <laughs> Lenny was on first. Lenny wanted to backdoor me and get a free stolen base. So he's like, that's, "Yeah, that's my world." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Come on, man, come on." And you know, he's looking down at me like, "Come on," I'm like. I didn't really want to take the base because I wanted the hitter to just, just focus. I didn't want to mess him up, you know, with the count. With right. the, I forgot who was hitting, but the pitch count. I think it was whoever was our third hitter at that time because I was leading off Lenny, I think, was in the two-hole. And uh, I ran, and I thought I had it because I thought, there's no way they're going to go at me because I got a great jump. They're going to throw the ball at Lenny, second. In the, I just saw the catcher rise up and throw at me, and I tried to get down to the last minute and roll my ankle to, man, I was out for weeks. I say, Lenny, all because of you. All because of you. Trying to get that, trying to get that backdoor trying bag. Trying to let you get that backdoor bag. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Toughest thing for primetime. Facing Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. Yep. Covering Jerry Rice. Maddox, Smoltz, coaching and your boys. Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin any day. Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin any day. Because even if you get them that day, you're going to have to get them again the next day. 
Yep. And that's tough. Yep. Baseball is 162 games, man. That, that's tough. Football, Hitting's I hard, man. Hitting's hard. Football, I can do it once a week, and I can enjoy it for six days. Yep. Um, Dion the man, prime time. Same, or is there a difference? There's a tremendous difference. There's two different entities. Two different entities. Like, I'm a real laid-back dude, man. I have I don't know when the last time I've been out. Uh, I'm probably in bed by 7. Never smoked, never drank in my life. Stopped using profanity when I was, I think, 19. Um, that's that's this guy. Now, this guy, you know, he's the entertainer. He's the guy that draws uh, people. He's the guy that's boisterous, is going to say what he feels and feel what he says. And he's the guy that's going to jump to the challenge. He's not going to walk away from it. He's not going to walk away from any smoke. He's going to take it on. The other guy, he's going to walk away, live another day. Two different entities, but the same person. Dion, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. This has been awesome. It's been great catching up. Let's, to the audience out there, to the people listening, watching the Boone podcast, uh, elevate and dominate 21 ways to win, 21 ways to win on and off the field. That comes out March 12th, Primetime's book, and catch uh, season two on Prime Video, and and it'll walk you through the 2023 uh, Colorado Buffalo season. Uh, once again, I appreciate you coming on. I wish you all the best. We're going to catch up one day. I'm going to call you. I'm going to say, Prime, I need to come on the sidelines. You say, Booney, come on the sidelines. I'll, I'll, I'll leave a path for you. I'm going to say, where do you I, live now? Where, where, you, where, where do you reside? I'm in San Diego. I'm in San Diego. Oh, shoot. We don't play. We, we just moved to the Big 12. We don't play anybody on this side of the country now. Well, I might have to. I might fly to you. I might yeah. fly to you. That'd be kind. That'd be kind. Well, well, I really appreciate it, Prime, taking the time out. Best of luck this upcoming season. Uh, and for all you out there now watching on YouTube or listening to the Boom Podcast, I appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next time. Let me give you a drop. Hey, this is Deion Sanders. I need you all, everybody and anybody that is somebody, to listen to the Boom Podcast right now. I love right it. Now. He ain't hard to find. And I appreciate that. (laughs) All right, Prime, man. Thank you. Take care. God bless.